0: Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Our buddy George joins us. The first episode of 2023, I don't even know what year it is anymore, is here. We're going to talk some IMSA this time. Tomorrow will be a joint IndyCar F1 episode as we kind of let the news build up a little bit. So, gentlemen, how is everybody's holiday? We'll start with Frenchie, and then we'll go to George. How is everybody's holiday?
1: It was good. I was kind of... uh, Or holidays. Yeah, I was... Let's see. I don't know how to describe it. Like, uh, hold up in the Pocono Mountains in northeastern Pennsylvania at this resort where there were a lot of uh, activities to do. So, just want the listeners to know that I... Not single-handedly, but I contributed a lot to us winning the gold medal at Name That Tune. And then what else did I help with? Uh, (laughs) Michelle and I were a team, and we got second place in shuffleboard for the whole thing. So it was pretty good. Oh, oh, okay. George?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me back on the show. Good to be with you guys. Uh, Hope to see everybody trackside sometime this year. Um, Overall, pretty good. No no major dramas, which is uh, always a good thing especially when uh, visiting uh, both my, my folks and the uh, Better House folks. So saw them, um, saw some good football, and mostly avoided work. So, yeah, no complaints.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I spent the holidays sick, and that is partially why we took last week off, because I was pretty much unable to talk. So, you know, that was super fun, but... Let's dive into it. So we're just going to talk kind of this week about some of the changes coming to IMSA some really cool changes. We'll talk a little bit about the roar before the Rolex, maybe a little Rolex talk. And there's a ton of IndyCar drivers who are racing this year, some maybe F1 or F2 guys, and you know plenty of Road to Indy guys as well that we'll talk about here and there, but Frenchie or George, I'll throw kind of like a simple question out there first. There's all these new GTP cars this year, which is the DPI replacement, which, based on looks, you know, this isn't like what you think is going to be the best. What car to you looks the best?
1: All you, Frenchie. Um, I'm trying to remember all the ones that I've seen now. I feel like the... I don't know. I, I like the acura a lot i think it looks really good okay what is it the arx yeah, or something that they're calling it right
2: i believe so yeah yeah,
0: so yeah i'm not i'm not up on the names on the car names i should i should say but okay george your pick
2: you know i i gotta stick with the uh, porsche 963 um it's just a cool looking car. I think part of it is probably it's been uh, probably because it's been out the longest publicly of um, yes. all of the um, GTP slash LMDH entries. Uh, partially, I'm more familiar with it than the others. And I think it's enough of a radical departure from you know the uh, DPIs. And we haven't had a um, top class Porsche in quite a while, at least in Emsa. Uh, I know they had the uh, LMP1 uh, hybrids in uh, WEC, which were really fun to watch. But, uh, you know, it's been a hot minute.
0: Yeah, fair. Okay. First off, I found something really interesting on Porsche. It was two days ago at this point where – so, you know, they have both the IMSA car and the WEC car. And anytime there's a new car, a new Porsche coming to IMSA with a customer program – they also want a new customer car in WEC at the same time, which is kind of interesting, and maybe why Porsche is slowly rolling out the customer cars. But anyway, my pick is BMW. I love the look of the BMW, and I don't. I don't know. I've heard some some tough things on their testing so far, but you know, we'll see in a couple weeks. So, George, let's let's talk about the GTP changes since we are we are here. Why did they make the change? And we'll start. We'll just start with that. Why the change now?
2: Yeah, I gotcha. So uh, I always uh, like to say I could be wrong and often am. <laughs> so this is at least my understanding of
0: what I'm I remember.
2: Wrong. And uh, can hardly remember what I have for breakfast half, half the time. So um, essentially it was the idea behind what is uh, the, the current or soon to be current uh, GTP classes. It's essentially DPI... um throw in spec hybrids but it's more or less the same idea behind the dpis where you base them off a lmp2 chassis um then you leave it up to the manufacturer for the bodywork styling and and motor um the only difference between this and uh, beyond the hybrid anyways uh and and the old school (laughs) old school yeah Turned out the clock like three months and they are still running. So um, last season and the, the last formula of DPI is these are also eligible to run in WEC. Um, they're, everything in IMSA is a GTP if it's, a, if, if it's the top class. Everything is a hypercar in WEC if it's the top class. You can run either with either the um, LMDH, which is essentially the DPI 2.0, or LM LMH, I think is what they're calling it, for the... The hypercar yeah. hypercars. So, uh, for example, um, Ferrari has a factory program for WEC this season. Uh, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm just losing my mind, I'm pretty sure those are technically um, LMDH cars with a spec hybrid and aren't entirely bespoke. Again, could be wrong on that, but I, I think I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but long story short, it's it's you know a good merging of the rules and regulations where you know, if you want to go run Le Mans with your, let's say, you know, Conica Minolta, number 10, Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Autosport, um, <laughs> you know, Acura ARX 06, you can, uh, as long as you get an entry. Um, they're, the old DPIs, you couldn't run at Le Mans in the top class. These can, and vice versa with the Hyper Cars and WEC.
0: So, do we, will we see any, Weck cars at the Rolex? Because I don't, I think I saw the entry list and I don't think it is, but just what, what do you think? Do you think it's possible at this point or no?
2: Uh, no, uh, entry list is set for this year anyways. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see more of it next year and I just, I'm going to correct myself. The Ferrari is a bespoke, um, hypercar, not a, um, uh, LMDH. That being said, next year, speaking of next year, uh, we're going to see factory well, semi-factory because it's factory, but a uh, team is running and it's not full factory. and It's kind of confusing with the um, Lamborghini effort next year. That is a uh, LMDH car. Um, so yeah, apologies there on the, the incorrect fact on the Ferrari. But yeah, I, I think you're going to see more of them next year. With the, I'm just going to call them uh, GTP for the the Emsa, you know, DPI 2.0 cars for just the brevity's sake. Uh, Brand new, not tested in in the heat of battle. Um, You know, Porsche, for example, is going to be running two cars in Emsa, two cars in WEC with, uh, I think it's uh, Porsche Penske Motorsport is the technical term of the team. Um, Then they're going to have two customer cars in each series apiece, but those customer cars aren't ready yet. And uh, it's the same way for some of the other makes and manufacturers, where the parts aren't necessarily produced, the supply chains aren't you know, caught up, and the factory teams get first priority. So uh, I believe we're going to see two additional Cadillacs at Le Mans, um, the Action Express Racing and uh, the second Chip Ganassi uh, Cadillac LMDH. But I think that's really going to be the only crossover we see this year in the top class.
0: The One of the, the Ganassi's is, at least on the IMSA side, is just the Rolex, right?
2: Yeah, so they're running one apiece in each championship full-time. Um, so I guess, technically, they're running their WEC entry for the Rolex, so um, that would be the only one, I suppose. But you will not see the two privateer Porsches um, for the Rolex either.
0: Right. That's yeah, they don't get those cars until like April or May.
2: Yeah, something like that. I think the latest I saw is okay. quote yeah. sometime after Sabre.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's 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 close enough. All right, French, you got anything?
1: Yeah. Do we know the exact driver pairings of the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan BMWs? Yet, Or is it just kind of like from their stable of drivers that we're assuming will be paired up some way?
2: I have the list.
1: Go ahead, George.
2: Yeah, I don't think they're assigned to um, specific entries yet. They they know the full season crew for for the season. So they got two pairs at least, but they haven't announced who's going to be... and for the Enduros or Rolex from the additional driver list.
0: Who? So obviously, like we know who Connor DeFilippi is for BMW. The other guy, Nick, I, I'm going to butcher the last name. So George, you probably know who I'm talking about. Nick. Yellily? Y-E-L-L-O-L-Y. Yeah, that one. Yep, yep, yep. We're just going to keep going on. And Frenchie, go ahead and ask another question. <laughs>
1: um i was gonna say what do you i mean i actually just recently listened to this new batch of dinner with racers came out over the holiday season so i listened to oliver jarvis's episode just the other day so it's kind of fresh in my mind what do you what is your opinion on uh them replacing meyer shank replacing uh him with colin brown it's kind of interesting to see colin brown back in a uh, top line car
2: I, i both love it and hate it um I love it for Colin, like that. That kid is just wicked talented, um, and I I hate it for for the individual he is uh, replacing. Um, people have talked on it a little bit as to the thoughts you know, why that change happened. Um, not uh, not very much has been said publicly about that, so I don't know how much we can really get into. That's you know, truth versus just assumptions or, um, you know, reading between the lines, but there were a lot of races last season where, and I love Ollie Jarvis. I think he's one heck of a driver. So this is no knock necessarily on him. Um, but there are a number of races last year where, um, the number 60 was running at the sharp end when he got in the car and be it strategy. Um, just getting outrun by uh, the folks around him or bad luck. He just kind of seemed to you know, fall off from where he uh, stepped into the car, if that makes any sense. Uh, again, I don't know how much of that was him necessarily um, and how much of that is just you know, people uh, reading in between the lines and coming up with things or you know, how much of that is you know, the actuality of the situation, but... You know, they, they took him out of the car. They kept Tom Blomquist, who was just, a, frankly, a revelation last season. Um, hadn't had a ton of sports car experience, if I can recall, at least not in the United States. He'd done Ray some Hall European racing. But... Yeah. What's that? Sorry?
1: With Ray Hall and GT's one season back several years ago was the last time I think he was Yeah, here. yeah.
2: That is correct, if I recall correctly, um, which I often don't as evidenced by the Ferrari slip-up, um, but he had not run, to my knowledge, DPIs at any point. Again, mm-hmm. could be wrong on that, but definitely had not run the Acura at any point, so him stepping in that car and being quick like a bunny immediately was you know, kind of a revelation, where you could call it a youth movement or something like that, but uh, yeah, love it for Colin, hate it for Ollie, but it is what it is.
1: I'll let you keep going. I found a name that I want you to pronounce host. <laughs> Something <laughs> oh, no. down the list. Yeah, go ahead. Uh go to the Wright Motorsports Porsche if you can. The number seventy seven uh, car.
0: Category, what, huh? What um what category of uh, what series?
1: It's in G T D. Okay. G T D Which which number again <laughs> seventy seven, <sorry>. the right <laughs> motorsport car. Oh no! This will be worth it for the listeners. Trust <laughs> oh, no. me. The, you see the first name I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Alan. Yeah, yeah
0: Alan. his name's Alan. Uh-huh. It's, that's, his, that's his only name, just Alan. <laughs> Come on. That's actually also going to be the ep- episode title tomorrow, talking about IMSA and Alan. <laughs> actually, I need to make a note of this so I don't I don't forget it because I always say these things in episodes like, oh, I'm gonna make. You know, this this guy's name, whatever. Okay, Imsa, Talk, and Alan. Okay. Uh, Alan, Brinjolfs, Alan Brinjolfson. It Actually seems like you did pretty well. I'm or surprised. Br- or Holfson, Brin-Hal- depending on if that's a hard J or not. Because I don't know where he is from. Okay, continue on. I'm going to look up at some more about Alan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, become an
1: expert. <laughs> um wait he's old oh okay how old are we talking sorry <laughs> that's so mean uh, he's you just got excited because everyone makes fun in you his about fifth. that. yeah i know he's he's in his 50s oh that's not that old you just offended some of our listeners yeah well you know wouldn't be the first time so george <laughs> let's talk lmp3 um yeah sure thing yeah <laughs> yeah Uh, Host and I have very specific feelings about the entire category of LMP3 cars. What do you think about the changes that they have for the season in terms of the LMP3 schedule?
2: It's interesting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Put it that way. (laughs) I don't necessarily have the highest of opinions of the class. Um, I will say that they have crashed less than I thought they would. Fair. I guess I do have to hand it to them over the past couple seasons. Um, you know, frankly, they were kind of field fillers as EMSA figured out what to do with the, the top category. And there was a season where I think we only had two full-time P2 entries. Um, they had three for Sebring that year, and I remember we had a sign at our campsite. Um, you know, sign up for um, for uh, LMP2 and get a free podium. Um, you know, just run one lap, something like that. So yeah, they came in kind of as field fillers. They're good entry level vehicles, machines um, for folks getting into the enduro side. And how the rules are set up is they very much benefit young drivers um, to the point where the past couple of seasons it's been mildly hilarious, where you know guys that are you know indie uh, indie lights or NXT or uh, you know. Pretty decent, well-known drivers that, not necessarily an IndyCar yet, but uh, you know, getting there well on their way, have been able to get into uh, P2, or P3 rather, because they're under 30 years old. <laughs> so it's been a weird mix of um, old veterans that have aged out of their previous high-level driver uh, rating or ranking. Um, pay-for-play older guys that, uh, you know, your stereotypical dentist, though, these days that uh, Dennis can't afford to uh, <laughs> run race cars anymore. Um, days of Jack Miller kind of behind us. But uh, so it's been refreshing from the youth movement side of things. I don't think they necessarily added that much other than just entries in the field and another class battle to, to happen. But uh, this year they're getting rid of, so you have them included in EMSA at certain rounds um, and they've had a separate championship that is just p3s for the past couple seasons i think they just called it a prototype challenge It's kind of an undercard series well this year they're mixing it up and doing sprint races with p3s and gt4s um, the gt4s compete in michelin pilot challenge as well um, but yeah for, they're shaking it up this year and i can't pass judgment on it until i see it in person um, but it'll be interesting Just kind of put a pin on it, though. The the hot goss um, rumors on the street are P3 will be going away from the top series next year. Um, Probably going to have quite a few more GTP entries. Uh, WEC is getting rid of P2, so some of those teams might come over and run P2 full-time. And WEC is also going to a GT3-based formula. Um, so probably going to see a heck of a lot of crossover there and a lot more collars in terms of doing full season in Enduros, and that's going to squeeze P3 out. If you have a full field, you don't need uh, field fillers.
0: So what I'm hearing is that LMP3 will not be spinning multiple times at 4 o'clock in the morning during the Rolex 24 this year.
2: Well, well, Mike, how else are you going to get your laps back when your uh, GTP um, hasn't been uh, race-tested yet and breaks down in the middle of the night?
0: You know, those cautions last year were the <laughs> perfect time for me to nap. So I did appreciate them from that
1: standpoint. I don't think I'm going to try to stay up. I don't know. French, are you going to try to stay up for 24 hours? No, I know that's like not possible for me. I need probably at least two hours of sleep. Yeah. But I have something yeah. interesting I just yeah, discovered that is probably...
2: to win an exclusive merchandise package from evergreen podcasts head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so we can't thank you enough for the support now back to the show i'm bruce martin host of pit pass Indy. they were able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500, on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast.
1: Common knowledge, but that I'm learning for the first time now, and that is... Okay. That the uh, V8, the 5.6 liter V8 that is in the back of all those LMP3 cars, is basically the same engine that would be in your I don't know mid 2010s Nissan Pathfinder, Nissan Titan Armada truck. Pretty pretty interesting to me that they're just using like a, you know, basically a truck motor V8 that I think that's the only capacity that Nissan used it in because they definitely don't use it in any of their vehicles anymore.
0: I definitely don't use it in an Altima. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I can attest to that.
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Um, okay, so we've talked about LMP3. Is there any GTD and GTD Pro changes that we need to talk about?
2: Uh, I'd say yes. You, you do have two new um, cars this year. You have a new Ferrari and a new Porsche, um, you know, kind of squint at the Porsche to see what's different because it's a, it's a nine 11. Um, but the new Ferrari looks you know, very different from the last generation of GTD or GT3 Ferrari. Um, huge entry list this year. I think for the Rolex, you're looking at yeah, only eight for GTD, GTD Pro, but 24 for GTD. So between the two, it's over half the field. Um, A lot of those entries are enduro only, quite a few are TBD in terms of their plans for the season, but a healthy dose of full season uh, commitments as well, and a lot of either new teams, teams stepping up from uh, the lower divisions, as it were, and some crossover from some uh, European teams as well, like Iron Dames is uh, running a GTD car, Iron Lynx, who will, I think running the Lambo um, prototype program next year. That's where Rogro will be for the Enduros. Um, so you're seeing a lot of new teams. You're seeing an expansion from a few teams as well. So it's a healthy time to be running GT3 machinery, especially with the uh, WEC change on the horizon. So in theory, you do well in your GT3 um, equipment, which is what all GTD Pro and GTD is or are rather. Um, and you get an automatic invitation to Le Mans next year, well, you don't have to buy a new car or loan a car from somebody else like you do now. So uh, if you're willing to pay the shipping freight, you can bring what you run.
1: So am I right in seeing, this is another one of uh, hosts and I's favorite topic to talk about, or hosts and me's, I don't whatever the correct grammar is there. Um, Is Cooper McNeil and WeatherTech Racing, they're only running in... uh, gtd pro this year they're not they're not looking to like kind of stack and just place them in whatever car's doing better
2: oh <laughs> uh, bless yeah um if you're not familiar with uh with emsa in the past couple of years you know shout out to the mcneils uh, WeatherTech is the entitlement sponsor of or main sponsor whatever you want to call it of emsa um they do a good job in terms of branding and things like that McNeil's been in the series for a while. His dad ran a few races. Um, Did
1: he? I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, he ran in like one or two seasons, uh, enduros only. Um, he was fine. But uh, kind of the joke is they've jumped around in, in the GT classes and in machinery as well. But as of now, they're running a full GTD Pro season with a Mercedes. Um McNeil is stepping out of the car, except for the Rolex this year. Um, I think he's getting more involved with the family business. I can't speculate. I won't speculate. Um, but he's only running the Rolex as of now, um, instead of what he used to do with the full season or uh, Enduros at uh, one point before that. So they have one Mercedes. Actually I think both of the other guys are Mercedes factory GT drivers. Um, so, I mean, it should be a quick entry. McNeil was never necessarily slow, but uh, yeah, it was always interesting to see what uh, what they rolled up in week to week. <laughs> I think one season they had three different makes. So yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. What was that we'll a Porsche? I did. I, what else did they? they had Porsche, Mercedes, and did they, what else did they run in that season?
2: I think they ran a Ferrari. It year, a BMW. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, that makes
0: sense ignore my ignore my BMW question uh, comment. So all great information. love the Cooper McNeil question. I do <laughs> have to, to give a asked. shout out to our friends at you had to. yes. Uh, our our friends at Java House, which I neglected due to do at the beginning of the episode, and I am debating on bringing some Java house down to the Rolex or sh- I'm gonna have to ship it down to the Rolex. I have to find out if that's allowed. because if it is, that will be ke- that will be keeping us awake for at least twenty of the twenty four hours. Oh, will could be keeping me awake because Trenchy doesn't do coffee.
1: Well, I might for this but race. If you're yeah. an indie, will you really? Yeah, I pro- I'm probably gonna have to. Yeah, so I may I may have to do that because okay. I'm not an energy drink guy. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried
0: a a, a Rockstar energy drink for the first time since I was like twenty one yesterday. It's awful. It's disgust. <laughs> truly disgusting. <laughs> Really, like, I wasted $3, and I'm very angry about that. Anyway, <laughs> they have multiple locations in Indy. Go to their website. It's javahouse.com. Use promo code PITLANE10, get 10% off your order. Buy all the coffee. It's awesome, delightful. And for the fourth time, I've been I've rescheduled actually recording in one of their stores. I am doing it. I think in two don't, weeks. Don't announce it. No, no. I was it's, gonna say
1: don't announce it because it'll jinx it.
0: I'm, yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure I'm going <laughs> to jinx it. I'll, I'll either be sick or. I mean, listen, y'all know what else has been going on in my life, so I don't need to go in there, and I can't be in public. And then you know, I've I've been back in Philly for a couple weeks, kind of relaxing, and uh, yeah. So let's 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 keep moving on here. So we've talked about the cars, for, and for all those the changes, not aware, frenzy- Um
2: yeah. Uh, Mike is uh, being labeled as a potential suspect um, for the DB Cooper yes. uh, airjacking. So yes, yeah, he's got to lay low.
0: Thank you, thank you for calling me old and a criminal in one sentence.
2: Well, it's definitely Dick. I'm Simon, actually D. Slightly- Cooper, but uh, yeah. Yes,
0: I I, w- I hope it is. I really do hope it's him.
2: How else did he find we'll, that? We'll, we'll
0: save that for an- we'll save that for another 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 episode. I have one question and then I'm going to put myself on mute because I'll probably end up coughing again the whole time. But the roar before the 24, which is always the weekend before I've never actually gotten to go. I won't be this year, but what is it and why is it so important?
2: It's uh, well, it's, it's pretty sweet is what it is <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so it's, For lack of a better quick explanation, it's a mandatory test for all uh, Rolex 24 entries. Um, Less so this year, um, as in years past, is we do have a capacity grid. In fact, they had to have a waiting list, um, partially due to the GTP cars needing a little bit more room in the pit lane. Um, So there's actually a cap on the grid. Uh, as opposed to years past where you've had entry lists that are over 60 um, here and there, but 60 uh, is kind of the hard cap now. But in, in the old days, old days, a couple of years ago, um, if you were a maybe entry, you might show up uh, a lot of drivers with helmets and hands looking for rides. These days uh, things are a little bit more buttoned down going into the week. Um, used to be anywhere from one to two weeks before the race itself, but to cut down on cut down on travel costs and things like that they've moved it to the week before um from what i've heard from a handful of crew guys uh, people seem to like that um pretty sure is a fan of it um could be putting words in his mouth so sorry bozy if uh, you don't like the change up but uh yeah it prevents more travel going back and forth to the shop um the downside of that is if you do have a, a major incident, it gives you a little bit less time to recover from it. But in theory, most of a week should do. But it, uh, the, the big thing it does every season is it sets the pre-race BOP tables, um, everybody's favorite three-letter words, but you know, it kind of gives an understanding of who was maybe sandbagging and tests beforehand. Um, in theory, and so has, uh, and every WEC 2, in theory, have software that will figure out if you're actually sandbagging or not. Eh, questionable in practice, but, you know, it's not as bad as it used to be, where you'd be there during the, the roar, and, oh man, this, uh, let's say the uh, <laughs> the, the Chevy uh, uh, DP, back in the, the DP days, is, man, they're really quick, and Man, it's weird. They're just like lifting the entire um, front stretch <laughs> uh, just to, to get a time that isn't obviously uh, as quick as maybe their competitors in hopes of lobbying for, for better BOP. So it sets the equivalency tables. It gives guys that haven't ran there a chance to run the course. Um, it's pretty much mandatory, especially for guys that haven't run there at night to run night sessions. And it makes it so it's not so crammed into just the race week in itself with a long race. Um, you know LeMond has their test mandatory test sessions a week or two before the their 24 hours. It's kind of a similar deal. So uh, hopefully that's a, a verbose <laughs> explanation of why the roar is important. But it's cheap to attend. It's really fun. And it's not as high stress um, unless you uh, are talking to a team that just found themselves in the barriers. And it can be high stress. Um, But the drivers aren't necessarily as stressed out, Uh, the teams aren't, so if you're a fan, it's cheap to attend, it's, you know, Emsa's pretty well always open paddock, but, uh, you know, let's say you're looking to talk to an owner, driver, mechanic, whatnot, sometimes it's a little bit better to go to a test day like that than it is, say, um, the morning of the 24 proper.
1: So related to the roar, do you know why? I mean, I guess I just haven't seen it publicly stated. We're no longer going to see that hundred-minute qualifying race that we saw the last two years. That we're just going to go back to a, I guess what you'd call a more traditional qualifying format for this year.
2: Uh, because it's that was kind of dumb and nobody liked Fair. it. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just did. That wasn't said yeah, out loud. Yeah. I guess because they couldn't say it. But uh, yeah, that sums it up.
2: That's kind of the vibe I've gotten from uh, a number of folks. You know, it, credit where it's kind of due, I guess. Um, so wanted to change it up a little bit. I think they realized that it wasn't loved by the teams and didn't necessarily draw a TV audience, so they're going back to the traditional format. That could change in the future. You, know, you never know, but uh, I, I, for one, am happy they're going back to the additional format, or traditional format because I don't think it really added anything.
1: No, I, I don't either. I mean, it was kind of nice to watch some racing, you know, in advance. But I think it makes the actual event of the Daytona 24 less special if it's not the first time you see those cars racing each year.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I mean, it's it's not a one to one comparison. Um, yeah. But if let's say the, you know, the uh, this would be insane if it happened. But let's just say like the you know carb day final practice was actually like a <laughs> timed race or something like that
1: <laughs> yeah that would be nuts people would set the grid yeah yeah oh my
0: god could you imagine the olds and their traditions <laughs> argument
1: that would be that would be coming They will be setting themselves on fire on the yard of bricks <laughs> oh my god anyway we'll
0: save that for another week Frenchie, I'll let you ask another one before I step in. We'll ask we'll get like through one or two more things and then we'll we'll wrap it up. And then at some point before the Rolex we'll do like a, a deep dive on the grid and weather and other fun Rolex twenty four topics. I pray it's not gonna be as cold this year.
1: I don't know, it's been cold in Florida, right, George?
2: I mean, it's been Florida cold. Well, um, we had an actual— like... yeah, F- Florida
1: cold is very different. <laughs> it's like in the 40s, right, is Florida cold?
2: Yeah, something like that. We actually had like a cold week for, for the holidays, but uh, yeah, this—who knows with Daytona being on the, the coast there. Um, it can get kind of chilly and definitely gets foggy, but uh, it's kind of a wild card in terms of weather.
1: All right, Frenchie, you got anything else you want me to wrap up with one more? I'm just looking at some of these these team names and I'm <laughs> intrigued to when we talk about like the grid itself because there are some, and usually I'm pretty familiar with most of these drivers and teams, but there's a lot this year. It seems like this, I don't know, new format and most of the focus being on GTD and the new GTP class that there's a lot of people coming over from Europe right now these teams it, I'm, I'm just really intrigued by this I, I don't know a lot a lot about any of these people so i think other than that type of question which we'll get into later i don't have anything else for george
0: george are you still there
2: yeah sorry sorry about that I had myself muted
0: <laughs> continue
2: yeah, no, no, I, didn't have, I, I agree. With I didn't you. ask
0: him
1: a question. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you weren't listening to what Sorry. I said. <laughs> oh.
0: well, listen. After, after after the episode, I will explain to George why I have not been focused for the last uh, minute or two here. Because not it not be public information, though.
2: Well, that makes it sound <laughs> really <laughs> weird. Are the feds finally on to you?
0: That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody somebody, just, yeah, c- continue. I'm, I'm going to shut up now.
2: Just quit robbing airlines, dude. <laughs> Mike sorry. Is, Mike is DB Cooper.
1: Wait, we're, we only have one Corvette now?
2: Is that new? Yes. Uh, Didn't they the, run yes in last year's, no. in the
1: Daytona 24, that they had two, at least? It wasn't, like, for full yeah, season, they we only had two. one, right? Uh, sorry, go ahead. We only had one for, what, the the full season, but... Didn't they run two in the Daytona 24 last year, at least?
2: Yeah, or am I wrong? Pretty sure they did run the two, um, but they had a split program between um, Weck and EMSA last year. They're doing that again this year. Okay, but the as far as I understand it, part of the reason is the uh, actual car they're running is technically not a GTD car. Um, yeah. It's a grandfathered in, slightly modified um, GTLM uh, car, but they're working on an actual GT3 that will be um, you know, eligible by GT3 standards uh, to run anywhere in the world. So they've been focusing a lot of time on testing and making sure that is good to go, both in terms of a factory effort and if and when they get to, to customer efforts as well. But uh, yeah, since that's not a... I guess you could call it a boutique car with the, the GTLM compared to the, um, you know, off the factory floor in terms of racing anyways, um, GT three entries. So not necessarily a lot of those chassis laying around. And, uh, I think the focus is more on next season than this season. They'll so they'll argue with you on that all day because it's Corvette racing and they want to win races in a championship. But, uh, Yeah, they're just running the one car this year.
1: All
0: right. So I will wrap it up with one last question here. We'll try to keep this around a half hour or so. And I wrote it down and now I can't find my notes. So, okay. Yeah, here's my question. (laughs) There's 60 cars this year. I think we talked about that at least once or twice already. I kind of assume that more cars equals more traffic equals, even though there might not be LMP3, there's going to be some kind of crazy inter-class battles at some point in the middle of the night or towards the end of the race, just because there are, you know, what, 15 more cars, roughly, than there were last year, maybe 13 more cars, I forget where the number ended up. So am I completely off base?
2: I don't think you are. Uh, We saw, I want to say 63 was the the high number, like a year, uh, not last year, I guess, but uh, maybe two years ago where you had a huge field. Um, You're always going to see chaos between classes, especially as uh, the uh, early morning hours come. Uh, Guys get tired, guys get desperate, but I I think you are going to see quite a bit of that this year. Uh, last year, throughout the season, um, because both GTD Pro and GTD are both GT3 cars, um, essentially the same cars, just different regulations in terms of what drivers you can have in, you know, two pro guys versus you know one pro guy and one AM guy kind of a deal. You saw quite a bit of overlap yeah. in those two classes. This year, I think you're going to see some potential issues Um especially a daytona between p2 and gtd pro and likely at some other circuits that aren't as downforce intensive Um, like sebring for example is very downforce heavy Uh, a lot of slow corners compared to kind of the fast-flowing nature of the majority of daytona or a lot of time on those straightaways because they've kind of backed p2 down a little bit uh, to open up the gap to gtp so there is a a worry that's been vocalized by a number of folks on the, uh, the interwebs that the overlap between the brake zones and the acceleration zones um, between some of let's say the really good GTD drivers and maybe some of the AM leaning uh, P2 drivers might cause some chaos. Um, You also have the potential for team efforts in GTP and the endurance races to run one car, kind of balls to the wall, 10 tenths, and the other team car kind of holding back uh, just in case uh, the the reliability isn't there. So I think you are going to see some overlap. Uh, The inter-traffic aspects of the GTPs aren't really well known compared to the DPI cars, and even with the really well-known aspects of DPI compared to the other classes, there were still incidents where guys would just turn in front of somebody or you know, magically forget that GTD was there and uh, already online in the middle of the corner. So uh, I don't know there'll be more chaos than normal, but there's definitely going to be chaos.
0: I'm here for it. All right, George, thank you for educating us. Listeners, thank you for listening to an IMSA episode. Obviously, as I said in my like little blog post today, we'll be doing a lot more of those this year and going forward, hopefully for many years, and I'll wrap it there. I don't think I'm missing anything else. So, everybody, have a fantastic 2023 first weekend.
2: Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports related news.